worship team. Yeah, let's give him another hand of encouragement. A praise offering to the Lord. How's everyone doing today? Good. Amen. You know, when Jesus came uh, to earth from heaven, uh, God gave him a mission. And that mission was very simple, and it says it in his word. His mission was to, to seek and to save that which was lost. And as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, that is our mission as well. In fact, we have the Great Commission, where it tells us that we need to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. And so we have a couple of people in our church who, uh, who take that literally. And uh, they are, have been part of mission teams in the past, and they will be heading on a mission trip uh, in just a few short days. And I wanted them to come up here and maybe just share a little bit about what they're going to do, and, uh, and then we can pray for them. Um, so I'm going to ask them to come up to the side here. Uh, this is Sam, and this is Jeannie. And uh, let's give them a hand of encouragement. And they're heading, to, they're heading to Papua New Guinea on a medical mission trip. And uh, uh, they've been on a number of mission trips before. And uh, this is the first time they're going to Papua New Guinea. And they're going to go with a, uh, with a group called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And they will be actually serving on a ship, a medical ship. And uh, they'll be going to ver- various islands uh, to provide medical care uh, for the people there, but also to tell them about Jesus, and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want you to uh, just watch the video. It's a very short video, and then I'm going to ask them to speak for just a few moments. Thank you, Major Phil and Major Debbie. Aloha and good morning, church family. So, actually, my husband Sam is supposed to be doing most of the talking, but he lost his voice, so we need to pray for him. So, I'll do a little bit of introduction. Um, We have been blessed with uh, the opportunities to serve and lead teams to other countries uh, for mission in the past, and this is a privilege we will be serving for the first time, partnering with YWAM. Uh, We would love to learn from other mission leaders. And so, while we do not know a lot of details of our experience, you know, what we should expect uh, for this trip. We do know some um, statistics that we'd love to, ser- uh, to share with you. So in Papua New Guinea, 43%, 43% of this population is below the age of 15. And um, one in four, how many percent is that? One in four. 25% of them most likely will not live to see and celebrate their 40th birthday. So healthcare is really very much needed there, um, but it's very challenging to deliver care service and services there because more than 80% of this country, uh, the population, the, the people are scattered um, over very complex river systems, vast oceans, and very rugged terrains. So a medical ship like YWAM, um, PNG, actually can overcome this challenge by delivering services and bringing specialists um, dentists and health supporters, uh, health educators um, to support them and reach out to them uh, in very remote and rural areas. But more importantly, faith comes from hearing. So as the ship goes there, uh, the people go into the villages, we will have this privilege to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the villagers and all the tribes so that they don't only hear the gospel, but they can witness and experience the gospel of Jesus Christ 
lived out in action. So this is to bring hope as we decrease and let him increase. Thank you. I'm not going to say much, <clears throat> but um, I we love to have you pray for us in terms of not just doing good work, but have the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit mm. to lead us to do God works. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to ask Rick to come and and offer a prayer of blessing. And uh, I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. And uh, if you just, where, wherever you're standing, just to raise your arm out and, uh, and agree with us in prayer as we, as we send Sam and Jeannie out. Rick. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just come to you with joy and uh, in celebration, in a spirit of celebration, Lord, for what uh, Sam and Jeannie are about to partake in. And Father, that is being obedient to your call. Lord, your word says, you know, how can we preach unless they are sent Oh, how beautiful are the feet on the mountaintops are those who bring the good news, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation in you, Jesus. And we just, we thank you that you can take redeemed people like Sam and Jeannie who are just obedient to do what you've done for them and to share this good news with, with those that are far, far away in far distant lands, Father. And we pray, Lord, that you would just utilize their, their, their lives, the team that they're with to bring healing, physical, and in especially spiritual healing to their souls, Father God. Uh, we pray, Lord, that um, you would bestow traveling mercies upon them, favor in the country with the people, that hearts would be wide open to receive the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord, so that one day we can all be celebrating in heaven together. And Lord, we pray for safe traveling mercies home and uh, that we can one day soon celebrate all the wonderful things that you are doing there now and you are going to continue to do through Sam and Jeannie's ministry and mission there. And um, we, we just want to celebrate you, Jesus, because you allow us to do these things. We get to do this. We don't have to. We get to, Lord, because of what you've done for us. And uh, again, we partner as a church. We'll commit to pray for them and, and just support them in prayer and, and in thought and, and, and well wishes. And we just want to bring you glory through all of this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. <clears throat> well, thank you, Sam, and thank you, Gina. We look forward to uh, when you return in a few weeks to hear of uh, your adventures and the way that God has been using you and, uh, and, uh, and growing you as well in the process. Well, good morning. Aloha. Aloha. Oh, I always like to say that. Well, you know, we are, we are continuing in our series. Uh, you notice the big letters on the stage, I am. The I am statements of Jesus as found in the Gospel of John. And we know that there are seven I am statements. And in the, in the past few weeks, we've looked at the statement where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And we've discovered that Jesus is our provider. And he's compassionate. He cares about our needs. And he provides for us. And he takes care of us. And then we heard that Jesus was the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. And we certainly need light in this very dark and broken world at times, don't we? And we've seen, all, we've seen evidence of that. And Jesus not only says that he was the light, but then he shares that light with us. So that we can take his light 
and shine in the darkness and shine in this dark and broken world. And then, of course, Jesus said that famous I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. When he raised Lazarus from the dead. And then we celebrated Easter just a few weeks ago where he himself was raised from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. He is the life giver and he gives life to us. And then Matt spoke about Jesus being the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep by name and takes care of the sheep. And when one of the sheep is lost, he goes after that sheep. And he pursues him relentlessly. And sometimes with a reckless love, like that song. But we have a shepherd like that who loves us and cares for us. And then last week, Yvonne spoke about Jesus being the door. I am the door. The door that lets the sheep come in and go out of the sheep pen. And the door that provides us security and safety, but also freedom. And so this morning, we look at the next I am statement. And it's a very, very powerful statement. It's a very, very powerful claim that Jesus Christ makes. And we find it in John chapter, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, I ask you to turn to that. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And we're going to read that, uh, those six short verses together. Read it from your Bibles, and I hope you bring your Bibles. Or if not, then we'll have this, the, uh, the scriptures up on the screen. But let me give you a little bit of intro, a little context. When this chapter 14 was written, this takes place just before Jesus was to be arrested. Just before he was to be crucified on the cross. It was that very same evening that Jesus spent with his disciples in the upper room where they shared what we call the Last Supper together. They're sort of their last meal together as a group with Jesus. And it was there on that very same evening that Jesus predicted that Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, would betray him later that evening. And it was that very same evening as well that Jesus predicted that one of his very closest followers, Peter, Peter would deny Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times that morning. And then Jesus also said that he was going to be leaving. He was going to go away. So you can just imagine the, the state of the disciples' minds as they're, they're taking, taking place in this upper room. And Jesus tells them these things, that, that he's leaving. And so they're worried and they're concerned. And he says, where are you going, Jesus? Where are you going? What's happening? And so John chapter 14 now comes in. And this is what it says. And Jesus' words brings comfort to his disciples. This portion of scripture, John chapter 14, the first few verses, is often spoken at, at funerals, at memorial services, because it offers great words of comfort for those who are mourning, for those who are sad. But it also offers a great word of challenge to us, and we're going to see that this morning. So let's read this together. I'm going to be reading from the big screen there, John chapter 14. And we're starting with verse 1. So let's all read together. And it's always good, I think it's always good, for us to read the scriptures aloud. Try that. Try that at home. Try that at home with your children. Read a portion of scripture and read it out loud. And you'll see the difference that it makes. But let's read it together, starting with verse 1. Here we go. And this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the words of your son that he spoke to his disciples many years ago. And those words still ring true today for each and every one of us. That our hearts no longer need to be troubled, that we can take comfort in you. I pray, Father, that as we look into your word, that you would help us to have a better understanding of who you are. And Lord, in this, in this passage, you made a great claim. You said that you are the way. You said that you are the truth, that you are the life. And you said that no one, no one can, can come to the Father. No one can get to God, the Heavenly Father, unless they go through you. And so, Father, I pray that you would help to cement that in our minds this morning. That there's no other way to get through God except through you, your son Jesus. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A very popular pastor and best-selling author in Houston, Texas, unveiled his belief in universalism when he said this, There may be many ways to Jesus. Oprah Winfrey, entertainer, business mogul, and known around the world for her humanitarian efforts, has publicly declared that there are many paths to what you call God. And here, you can see some of the quotes up here that many Americans and some Christians actually hold to. Some of you, this may sound very familiar. Some of you may may probably believe this and live like this. Things like this. It doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. Good people, if they go to heaven, my God wouldn't send anyone to hell, would he? Good works will get you to heaven. Whatever works for you is true for you. It's arrogant to believe there's only one way to heaven. Now, some of you might think the question we are addressing this morning is not all that difficult to answer. Is there really only one way to heaven? And since we live in America, since we live in America, many people value cultural diversity, right? We value cultural diversity. We live in Hawaii. But they also value what I call religious pluralism. Now, pluralism, that's a big word. Religious pluralism. What does that mean? What does religious pluralism mean? Well, look up here. Pluralism is the view that all religions offer equally valid paths to God. You see the picture of the mountain there? God is at the top of the mountain. And you can see religion A, religion B, religion C, whatever other religions we have. They're all trying to get to the top of the mountain. They all take different paths, different ways. 
But their intention and their final destination is to reach the top. And that's what religion teaches us, right? We want to be like God. We want to try to, be like, we want to, try to get close to God. So we, we go this way, we go that way, we climb up the mountain. But pluralism is the view that all religions, no matter what it is, offer equally valid paths to God. And you may be hearing some of this, whether in school or at the workplace or just when you're talking to other people. But in other words, as long as you believe in something, you'll be okay. You'll eventually reach the top of that mountain and reach God. So, while Christianity is still in the majority, the United States actually has a greater diversity of religious groups than any country in history. The Encyclopedia of American Religion lists 1,600 different religious groups in America, with about 45% of them non-Christian. And half of these groups have blossomed since 1960 or so. In fact, there are now more Muslims in the United States than there are Methodists. But in spite, but in spite of all this religious and doctrinal diversity and all this religious pluralism, the Bible which we believe to be God's word, the Bible makes some rather startling claims that run countercultural to the teachings of religious tolerance. Countercultural to what we're hearing today in the classroom and as we read in the newspaper. And here are some of those verses. I have it printed up here on, on the screen. Acts 4.12. It says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. 1 John 5, verse 12, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now these verses, we've probably quoted them many times, but if you look at them, they're extremely exclusive. Extremely exclusive. And clear, very clear, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And yet the strongest verse in the Bible is the sentence uttered by Jesus Christ himself. And he made this claim, and this is the verse that we're looking at this morning. John 14, verse 6, when Jesus says, I, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, no one gets to the top of that mountain. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. And Jesus makes that claim. Now there's some of you in here this morning, perhaps you may not agree with everything I'm going to say, but I ask you just to hear me out. I urge you to listen and apply what you're going to hear because because your eternity, your eternity literally depends on it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here's the main idea. Here's the main point. Here's the sermon this morning, all in one sentence. And it's very simple. You've probably heard it a thousand times, but it bears repeating, because we forget. And here it is. If I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. Let me repeat that again. If I believe the Bible, 
I must say that Jesus is the only way. If I believe the Bible. So what you hear this morning is not Major Lum's words. It's God's word. And that's the difference. You don't have to listen to me. But you better listen to God. Because his word speaks to us loud and clear. So I want you to repeat after me. To say this little phrase. Maybe you can memorize it. But repeat after me. Say, if I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. Let's try it again. I, if I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. Now turn to your neighbor and say the same thing. If I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. One more time to your other neighbor. If I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. All right. Now let's make it a little bit more personal. If you do not believe, some of you may be offended if I say this, if you do not believe in Jesus, and if you do not receive Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven, you will spend eternity in the never-ending fire, eternally separated from God. Now, this is a quite a bold statement for me to say. But what I just said may not be politically correct, but it's biblically correct. It's the truth. It's the truth. And again, it's not my words. It's God's word. And who am I to argue with God's word? But we shouldn't be surprised that our culture and even some religious leaders reject the truth of Christianity. What is shocking is that according to a 2008 Pew Forum poll of 35,000 Americans, this is an interesting statistic, 57%, more than half of the people polled, 57% of evangelical church attenders, that's you and me, believe that many religions can lead to eternal life. 57% of evangelical churchgoers believe that many religions can lead to eternal life. This study found a growing sense of religious pluralism. Remember we talked about that before? Even within the church. We normally think, well, that's the people outside the church, the people that don't know God. No, that's within the church itself. Either are people being misled or they're ignorant of the truth of the word of God. And many were so stunned by these findings that the pew form went back and they did further polling and did the survey again. And unfortunately, the results were the same and it was confirmed. And things have only gotten worse since 2008. They actually created a new word. Some of you may have heard this word. The nuns. Not the Catholic ladies. But the nuns. N-O-N-E-S. The nuns. It's a category category of people who claim no religious affiliation. 
It also includes people who identify themselves as, as atheists or agnostics or people that used to go to the church but no longer go to the church. They claim no religious affiliation. And the polls said that that group of people, the nuns, make up 34% of American adults. That's one-third of our population. 34%. One-third of American adults claim to be nuns. No religious affiliation. And that rose from 16% up to 34% in just a matter of 10 years. You see, millions of Americans have, quote-unquote, lost their religion in the past 10 years. And maybe there's someone here today in this church who falls into that 34%. And I'm sure you know people in your own sphere of influence. It could be a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, who you definitely know fall into that 34%. They have nothing to do with church or religion or God. So that's why it's important. That's why it's so important for us to have a solid understanding of this one fundamental truth. If I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. Repeat after me one more time. If I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. We notice as we look through this passage of Scripture that this verse begins with the word I. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In fact, 11 times in just six verses, Jesus uses the personal program, pronoun, I, me, my. What he's trying to say here is that we are not saved by, by, a, by a principle or by, a, by force or by a method or by a model or by a religious system. We're not saved by any of those things. But we are saved by a person. And that person is Jesus. And Jesus didn't say that he, he knew the way. I know about the truth. I know about life. He didn't say that. He didn't even teach about those principles. He declared, he declared himself to be the way. To be the truth. To be the life. And while answering all of life's questions... Jesus doesn't offer us a recipe or a bunch of rules or rituals to follow. Instead, he, he offers himself. He offers us a relationship, a personal relationship with him. His plan is wrapped up in a person. And that's why it's so important for us to understand that. That we need to look deep into our own hearts and say, how is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ right now. Not how many times have I gone to church, how many times I've gone to Ohana group, or how many times I've read through the Bible, or how much money I give, but how is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ right now? Now Jesus doesn't say that I am a way or one of the ways. I am just one of the truths that you hear. I am just a life, but rather he says, I am the way. I am the only way. 
I am the truth. I am the only truth. I am the life. That is the only life. You see, there's only one avenue. There's only one avenue to salvation. And while other religious, while other religions offer systems of, of thought and rituals and rules that try to bridge that gap, that try to climb that mountain to reach God, Jesus is the only one who has succeeded in bridging that divide. I'm going to go back to that first photo. And I want us to... There you go. Again, it's a picture of the mountain. God is at the top of the mountain. We, mankind, I should have put womankind, should have put humankind, but all of us, we're down at the bottom of the mountain. Remember, religion is described as us trying to reach God, trying to climb up that mountain in whatever way we can do it, by whatever means, to get to the top of the mountain. Look at the next slide. That's what it shows. We struggle to get up there. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And we struggle. And then the next slide. It actually says, no. There's no way in the world we could ever reach the top of that mountain through our own efforts, on our own. God, through his son Jesus Christ, came off of the top of that mountain and came down into the valley to be with us. That's the incarnation. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. When Jesus took the form of a human being like you and me and came to this earth to meet us, to greet us, to, to provide a way for us. Go to the next slide. Something very similar. But here you see two, two sides. On the right side and the green side, that's where God is, God's purpose. And on the left here, you see us. The only problem is we're separated. There's this huge gap between us and God. And that gap is created because, because we're sinful men. We're human beings. We're sin. For all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it says, for the wages of sin is death. Right? So our punishment for being sinners... Now, how many of you here this morning are not a sinner? Raise your hand. I don't see anybody's hands. That's amazing. At least you guys are honest. <laughs> but you see, the penalty of sin is death. And so again, we try, to, we try to jump to the other side. Right? We try to do whatever we can to make it to the other side. We want to reach God. We want to reach the top of the mountain. Let's go to the next slide. And so what do we do? We try to be good, right? We go to church. Maybe we use a religion. We give money. We try to live the right life, the moral life. And no matter how well we do at all those things, you see that it always falls short. It always falls short. So all of our attempts to try to reach God in whatever way, whatever you think, whatever other people are telling you, whatever the religions or gurus are telling you, to reach to that state of God-like, it's all futile. Let's go to the next slide. And there you see, John 14, 6. Jesus is the only way to God. We could never bridge that gap. Now, all of this probably is all familiar to many of you, but we need to be reminded of this. See, God wants to bridge that gap, and that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And you see the cross represents that bridge. Now we have access to the other side. 
Now we can freely cross over because God provided the way. He provided the bridge. And then the next slide. But see, the cross is there. The bridge is there. But we need to respond. We need to repent of our sins. That means to turn from our sins. And instead of walking away from God, we walk towards God. And we need to believe. That's what Jesus said in John 14. You believe in God? Believe also in me. That's the gift of salvation. That's how we can reach the other side. And that is the only way, the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. There's no other way. And so we see those illustrations there. If I believe the Bible, I must say that Jesus is the only way. There's a writer, his name's Albert Muller. Uh, he's a theologian, and he wrote this words, and I have it printed up here. If all we need is a teacher of enlightenment, the Buddha will do. If all we need is a collection of gods for every occasion, then Hinduism will do. If all we need is a tribal deity, then any tribal deity will do. If all we need is a lawgiver, Moses will do. If all we need is a set of rules and a way of devotion, Muhammad or Joseph Smith will do. If all we need is inspiration and insight into the sovereign self, then Oprah will do. But if we need a savior, but if we need a savior, only Jesus will do. I'm going to ask Matt to come up. And so, what is the application? What is the takeaway? As I leave this place this morning, what can I take away with this? Well, number one, there are just two things. Number one, first of all, make sure to place your faith in Jesus. He's the only way. I asked you earlier about your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're uncertain, if you're not sure, Make it certain today. If you're not sure if you've trusted in Jesus and his death on the cross for your salvation, if you were to die tonight, if you're not certain where you would go and spend eternity, make it right, right now. Don't delay. Don't wait any longer. Jesus wants to be in a relationship, in a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And every minute you miss that, you're missing out on so much. Because he loves us. He cares for us. He's a bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the good shepherd. You can enjoy that relationship if you don't already have. So think about that. Place your faith in Jesus. Not in anything else. Because there's only one way to God. That's through his son, Jesus Christ. Last Sunday when Yvonne was preaching and Roberta gave the invitation, a number of people actually made a decision. And they put their trust in Jesus and they, they received him. What about you? We'll give you that opportunity today as well. And then secondly, the second application. Very simple. Tell others about Jesus. You see, we don't, 
We don't have to make Jesus more attractive to people. Sometimes we do that. But Jesus speaks for himself. He is the truth, the way, the life. We need to apologize for him. We just need to tell others about him. That's our job. Without carving into the culture or watering down the gospel, just tell them about Jesus, that he loves them. The truth is that Jesus is the only way. It should make us bold. It should make us bold to share the good news. It should also break us. We must hold to this truth, but it should tenderize us and put tears in our eyes because there are many people, people that you know, who are lost and don't know the truth. And perhaps you need to share the truth with that person today. Sam and Jeannie, they're heading off to Papua New Guinea. You may ask, why are they doing all of this? Oh yeah, they're going to help people medically. But ultimately it's because they want to help those in Papua New Guinea understand that Jesus Christ is the only way. Their only hope of salvation. So if Jesus is truly the only way, the worst thing that you could do is to keep it to yourself. And if Jesus is truly the only way, then the most loving thing you can do is to share that with others. So the worship team is going to sing a song, and as they sing, reflect, allow God and His Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts. If you need to come to the place of prayer here, feel free to do that. But ask yourself, how is my personal relationship with Jesus right now? Get that straightened out first. And then, how can I share that good news with others that I know? Jesus, we we love you so much because you first loved us. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And the claim that you make, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I pray, Father, that would be true in each of our lives. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you, Jesus, just for your great love and your grace and your mercy and your compassion. Continue to speak to us and minister to our hearts. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We pray these things in your name.